friends hello i am your humble host here once again with you with another great gildersleeve and a whole set of some mighty nice music if i do say so myself yeah bob hope he's even here he wants to sing a song and and we're gonna give bob the first chance to sing but uh before we do that we got to tell you about the great gildersleeve for today well it was originally broadcast November 7th of 1951. And in today's show, it seems that Bronco and Marjorie are feeling a bit cramped in the Gildersleeve house. They need room to spread their elbows and little elbow room. Those two babies and Bronco and Marjorie all in one room. Well, he just ain't that comfortable. So, they're thinking about buying a house. What are they going to do? They can't afford a house. Well, this is the problem they got. I don't want to give away all the details, except to tell you that if Bronco's mother has her way, uh, Bronco and Marjorie will be moving into her house. And that would be a disaster for poor Bronco and poor Marjorie, because every day they'd have to get up and they'd say, oh, Hello, Mom. Hmm. Here's Bob Hope from a radio broadcast in 1942. Take it, Bob. Gentlemen, it's a pride of the Santa Ana Air Corps. Has a very nice message, a little piece called Hello, Mom. Hello, Mom. I thought I'd phone tonight. I've got so much to tell. I made my solo flight. They say I'm doing swell. I wish that you were here to see. Listen, Mom. Remember Sally Lou, the girl who lives next door. Find out exactly who she's really waiting for. I sort of kind of hope it's me. Sure, Mom, the food is mighty good. And one thing, they'll never freeze our pay. And the bonds that you're buying, that are keeping us flying, makes the whole darn thing okay. So long, Mom. I'd do a lot of things you really don't expect. I hope that Dad won't mind I call collect. But I just had to say, hello, Mom. Hello, Mom. Say, I bet you're surprised that I called you, huh? Yeah, I feel great. Where am I talking from? Well, I'm sitting here in the general's desk. He lets us use... He lets us use his phone anytime. Sure, I'm very close to the general, Mom. He eats the same potatoes I peel. <laughs> Mom, you know, you'd be proud if you could see how nice I look in the swell new uniform they gave me. The uniform fits me great. Only I'm afraid the pants are a little tight. Yeah, every time I bend down, I open a second front. (laughs) And gosh, say, Mom, remember when I was a kid and you cut off my curls and put them away in a paper bag? Well, today I got my first GI haircut. Say, Mom, do you think there's enough room in that bag for my ears, too? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And will you tell Sis I received that sweater she knitted for me? Oh, tell her it's a swell sweater and it keeps me warm. All the way down to my ankles. <laughs> and, Mom, I want to thank you for those homemade biscuits. Gee, they were swell. We ran out of ammunition yesterday, and you should have seen them go sailing out of that anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> Don't forget to tell Dad thanks for that magazine, The Country Gentleman. I like to read The Country Gentleman, but the guys in my tent aren't from the country. And they're not gentlemen, so from now on, send Esquire, huh, Mom? <laughs> Do a lot of things you really don't expect. I hope that Dad won't mind. I call collect, but I just have to say, hello, Mom. Oh, there he goes, Bob Hope. Yeah, he, he can't resist doing a little monologue there. That was Bob Hope 
from a radio show recorded in 1942 as Bob Hope is doing a little number there, I believe for the Air Force, it sounded like to me. Yeah, a little song there, a little a little funny comedy routine. That was the great Bob Hope all over. He, he really went all out to uh, entertain the troops and... Uh, Ah, I think a naturally funny man. You know, I heard him when he got very old and he was on a radio talk show and he was still quick and witty and funny. He didn't need writers to be funny. He was a quick-witted man on his own. And that was even when he was in his 90s. <laughs> Ooh, if you can stay quick-witted through the 90s, I'd say you're doing pretty good. Well, friends... Uh, Marjorie and Bronco, they're not doing so good because they're considering moving on out of the, the Gildensleeve house and getting their own place. Maybe they'd have to stay with, with Bronco's parents. By the way, this is neat because, once again, Joseph Kearns is back as Bronco's forgetful father. And his wife in the show is also named Martha. Martha, as Joseph Kearns, as Mr. Wilson on Dennis and Menace used to say, Martha, well, he, Joseph Kearns, he's Bronco's father, and he has to say it again, Martha, hey, he's calling for his wife, but he doesn't say it like Mr. Wilson, you know, Martha, he says it more like Martha, eh, something like that, anyway, he does say Martha, I thought it was funny that uh, Mr. Wilson Joseph Kearns is saying Martha again, even here on The Great Killers Thing. By the way, this is a reunion for Joseph Kearns and Willard Waterman. Willard Waterman, of course, plays Gildersleeve, and he played Mr. Quigley, the grocer, on Dennis the Menace. We, friends, we got to say that Marjorie and Bronco, yeah, they're, gonna, they're thinking about moving. In fact, Marjorie thinks it would be something wonderful to have their very own house. And she even thinks that Bronco is something wonderful too. Yeah. <laughs> you just ask her, she'll tell you. Bronco, he's something wonderful. Sort of like Doris Day things. Here she is, Doris Day.
That's nice, isn't it? Doris Day and something wonderful. You know, that's a good song that you just don't hear enough, I'd say. Yeah, Doris Day. Only, <laughs> there's only one like her, Doris Day. She is a beautiful lady and a beautiful singer. One of my personal favorite singers. And she was my dad's favorite singer. I remember driving in the car with him and playing a double CD of Doris Day. He enjoyed it. He didn't often admit what he liked, but he did admit he liked Doris. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, friends, now, a little personal humble host story here. Ew. It's been a rough week. Oh, my. One disaster after another for your poor old humble host. <laughs> First, uh, I noticed my little finger uh, was jumping from being closed to open. It wouldn't just smoothly close and open, you know, like you'd like it to do. It would, it would like jump from being closed to open, and then if I tried to close the finger, it would jump to being closed. In other words, it didn't move slowly. So, I, I had to go to the doctor this past week, and I asked him, well, what about this here finger? And he said, oh, that's what they call a trigger finger. So now my, my little finger, well, it's put into a little brace, a metallic brace here held together by some surgical tape and uh, it's a hard thing listen to this can you hear that that's my little finger knocking on the mic well anyway uh, that's my little finger it's all braced up and it's held nice and straight now so you can't bend it so that's the thing I've got to keep this thing on for two weeks they tell me eh, that was just the beginning of my troubles you see I had a calendar, and you know that it was the month of October, right? And so I, I want to change it to November. Yeah, that's what I want to do. And so it, it's kind of high up in my kitchen. It's over the, the countertop of the kitchen there, and it's up on a wall, and it's kind of high up. And so I've done what I've done once in a while, not all the time, but once in a while before. I, I try to climb up on the counter, to get high enough to reach that little nail that holds the calendar up. So I'm reaching, I put one foot up on the counter, oh, I'm getting close, I'm getting close, now I put the other foot, uh, I was gonna put the other foot on the counter instead of hitting the counter. <laughs> oh, I fell off the counter and hit the floor, and I'm telling you, <laughs> oh, it was a hard hit. <laughs> A really hard hit. Yeah. And I, it was hard to get up, too. I, I, I had to force myself up, you know, pull myself up on from the sink up. Oh, it was bad. And now, oh, now my back is aching. I have to take a leave. Oh, it was bad. Well, friends, you can see your humble host life isn't all beer and Skittles. <laughs> But at least it's still beer and Skittles for Marjorie <laughs> and Bronco and Bing Crosby. Because Bing thinks that uh, moving to another place would be a great idea. In fact, he says the moon came up with a great idea last night. Yeah. Here's Bing Crosby and Peggy Lee. The moon came up with a great idea last night. Oh, oh. I may be injured, but I can still sing half-heartedly the moon came up with a great idea last night one of those things that rings a bell so i kind of looked at baby and baby said maybe there wasn't any maybe till the moon came up with a great idea last night suddenly everything was swell and before i The stars winked overhead Like they knew she was due to confess Not a word was said What a wonderful way to say yes Yes, the moon came up With a great 
said I'd be all right. She saw the light. And there won't be any maybe with baby tonight. Oh, it was a great idea. Mm, just great. The moon came up with a great idea last night. Yes, it took the moon to do it, cause before I knew it, baby, was holding me tight, tender but tight. The stars winked overhead, like they knew she was due to confess, not a word was said. It's a wonderful way to say yes The moon came up with a great idea All right, too big to fight And there won't be any maybe With baby tonight And there won't be any maybe With baby Tonight, tonight, tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, uh, Bing Crosby and Peggy Lee singing Ooh, all about the moon. Hey, where's my music? There it is. It's coming. <laughs> A little loud, but it came. Yeah, Bing and uh, Peggy Lee. It's always nice to hear Bing and Peggy Lee singing together, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my. Well, it's time now to get to the Great Gildersleeve. Uh, Today's radio episode of The Great Gildersleeve was originally broadcast November 7th of 1951. Ah, you know, have you ever fallen? I'm sure you must have fallen sometimes, you know. I, I've fallen when I try to uh, go down a step off of a curb, you know. You miss the, and your, your foot, instead of hitting the ground like you think it's going to do, yeah, it's in midair. Next thing you know, you're falling through the air onto the ground. Well, I've fallen like that. I, I've fallen other times, you know, when you take a misstep. I've even fallen down the stairs once. <laughs> oh, took a little tumble, but I was all right. I land on my feet like a cat. Yeah. Well, anyway, I tell you, I don't believe I have ever fallen as far as I did this past week when I fell off the kitchen counter. That was a long drop. Ooh. And it hurt when you landed, too. Ah, I tell you, it shakes you up. Have you actually ever fallen? It does. It shakes you up. You, you're thinking, oh, I can't believe that happened. And I couldn't believe it happened when it was happening. And I was moving in slow motion. As I was going down, I remember looking behind me, and I could see the floor approaching. Ooh, luckily, I hit mainly on my shoulders and my tailbone, so I didn't hit my head or anything. But I could see the floor coming up at me in slow motion. So, ooh, it was weird. But anyway, I'm all right now. Yeah, taking a leave every couple, of, about every six hours. But other than that, I'm all right. Well, let's get to the great Gildersleeve. Enough of my troubles. You've had enough. You're sick of hearing about my troubles. So let's go to November 7th, 1951, and listen to the great Gildersleeve. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you partially transcribed by the Kraft Foods Company. Kraft, you know, makes Philadelphia brand cream cheese. The cream cheese that's been famous for quality since 1880. Delicious, creamy white Philadelphia brand is so popular, it outsells all other brands of cream cheese combined. Remember, there's only one Philadelphia brand cream cheese, and it's made by Kraft and guaranteed fresh. (laughs) 
Well, there's considerable activity at the great Gildersleeve's house tonight. The porch light is on and the mat says welcome. Still, there is an unmistakable air of tension. The occasion is the regular monthly visit of Marjorie's in-laws, Mr. and Mrs. Thompson. Leroy, have you washed behind your ears? I not only washed them, I polished them. Look at them shine. Hey, good boy. You know how Mrs. Thompson always makes you stand inspection? Yeah. Uncle, was she ever in the Army? I don't know. If she was, she was a sergeant. Can I dust that table, Mr. Gillsleeve? Bertie, you've dusted the living room three times. Yes, sir. But when Miss Thompson runs her finger over a table, she always picks up dust. That woman's got hands like a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> well, every time she comes over, she always finds fault with something. Yes, sir. You wonder what she'll start tonight. I think she's covered everything. They'll be here any minute. I better run my coat so she can't pick on me. Yeah. Hey, Uncle, you dropped your bank book. Here. Here, thank you, Leroy. Hey, look what it says here. Five hundred bucks. Gosh, do you have that much money in the bank? Shh, Leroy, let's not shout it from the rooftops. I've been salting it away. Yeah? How about making my allowance a little saltier? <laughs> I'm saving this to buy a car. I thought I'd trade in the old one and surprise the little family with a new one. You're nearly new, anyway. Oh, boy, can I get down and help you pick it out? You will see. Is everything in order down here, Ronky? Yeah, we're all set, Marjorie. Where's Bronco? Oh, he'll be down in a minute. He couldn't shave until I finished with the mirror. Yeah. You like to bring the twins down? Well, they're asleep now. We put them in the little sewing room so we wouldn't disturb them while we dressed. Yeah. Yeah, I hope Mr. Thompson recognized them tonight. He's so absent-minded. Yeah. Last time he thought I was one of the twins. <laughs> oh, maybe, dear, even if he does get a little mixed up at times. Yeah, maybe that's how he happened to marry Mrs. Thompson. <laughs> Uncle Moore! Here they are! Battle stations! Leroy, <laughs> <laughs> not so loud. Well, well, Mr. and Mrs. Thompson, come in. Good evening, Mr. Gildersleeve. And Marjorie, how are you, dear? Hello, Mother Thompson. It's so nice to see you. Good evening, Leroy. Hi. Mr. Thompson, aren't you coming in? Uh, yes, but Gildersleeve, did you know your porch light is on? <laughs> yes, indeed. Are you expecting company? <laughs> you, Mr. Thompson. Oh, well, I'm here. You can turn it off now. Uh, Martha's here, too, somewhere. Martha! She just went in the parlor. Come on, we'll join her. Oh, a Gildersleeve. You've grown a mustache. <laughs> Mr. Thompson, I've always had a mustache. Oh, of course. Oh, it's Leroy who didn't have a mustache. <laughs> oh, brother. I'm glad I got homework to do. Well, here comes Bronco. Hello, Dad. Well, hello, son. How are you, Mother? Bronco, you weren't at the door to greet your mother. I almost made it. Sorry, Mother. I'm afraid that's my fault, Mother Thompson. I was using the mirror. No, I was looking for my shoes. We can't get everything into one closet up there. Oh? Mr. Gildersleeve, I don't know how you people manage here. Well, Mrs. Thompson... There are we... too many of you in this small house. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. She sure will. And since the twins came, my... Now, Mother... The twins... Oh, yes, the twins. (laughs) I thought somebody was missing. Uh, Where are the grandchildren? Uh, They're up in the sewing room, Mr. Thompson. I'll bring them down later. The sewing room? Aren't they young to be sewing? (laughs) They're taking a nap, Mr. Thompson. What if somebody wants to sew? Well, Edward, you brought up a very interesting point. I did? It seems a pity that Bronco and dear Marjorie don't have room to... Uh, to expand. Well, Mother Thompson, they've done fairly well. Twins, you know. <laughs> Honestly, Mr. Gildersleeve. I got that, didn't you, Martha? Twins? That's very droll, Gildersleeve. <laughs> Edward? <laughs> yes, Martha? It worries me that the children don't have more room. Now, Mother, we aren't too cramped. It's been very nice of Mr. Gildersleeve to share his house with us. Yeah, glad to do it. We're really very comfortable, Mother Thompson. Oh, when I think of those darling twins cooped up in that tiny sewing room. Oh, Mrs. Thompson, it isn't as bad as you make it sound. Oh, I know how tiny it is. I stuck my head in there once. Was there room for anything else, Martha? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Martha. Yes, well, 
What do we do this evening? Cards? Great idea, Mr. Gildersleeve. How about canasta? I'll get the decks. Wait, Bronco. Mr. Gildersleeve, I haven't finished talking. You, sorry. I should have realized that. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, when Marjorie and Bronco were first married, it was very generous of you to take them into your home. But there's no reason for you to be inconvenienced any longer. Now, Mrs. Thompson, I'm not being inconvenienced. I think you are. And now that the twins are getting more active, the logical thing to do is move the family to our house. Don't you agree, Edward? Why, yes. Uh, when can you move over, Gildersleeve? She <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean me, Mr. Thompson. Naturally, I'm referring to Bronco, Marjorie, and the twins. By the way, where are the twins? Oh, good heavens, Edward. Uh, oh, yes, yes. What do you think, Marjorie? Well, it's awfully kind of you to invite us. Nonsense. It's the only sensible thing. Don't you think so, Bronco? Why, yes. Oh, oh Bronco. <laughs> well, Mother, as you say, we would have more room, but... Then it's it... all settled. Oh, my goodness. Now, Mother, it isn't settled. We'll think it over, but we just don't want to be pushed into anything. Yeah, that's right, Bronco. Let's not rush into this. Give it a lot of thought. Bronco, I'll call you tomorrow. I hope you understand, Mr. Gildersleeve. You have a lovely little home. But after all, we have a whole wing that isn't being used. She has more than one wing, the old man. <laughs> Gildersleeve, you have to think of something. Fast. Bertie. Morning, Mr. Gillsleeve. You're down early this morning. Yeah, I didn't sleep very well last night, Bertie. No, sir. Bertie didn't sleep good either. You didn't? No, sir. I tried counting sheep going over the fence, but all I could see was Miss Marjorie and them twins going over to Miss Thompson's. Well, it's quite a problem, Bertie. How's the coffee coming? It's ready and plenty of it. Yeah, thank you, Bertie. Mr. Gillsleeve, do you really think they'd leave here? Well, let's face it. They are a little crowded here. Mrs. Thompson has a big house. She made it sound pretty logical. Mr. Gillsleeve, has Miss Marjorie and Mr. Bronco ever talked any more about building a house? Well, they've considered it. That's taking a big step. Yes, sir. And I've been thinking about that vacant lot next door. Who? That lot's just sitting there waiting for somebody to take the big step. Now, if they have to move somewhere, wouldn't it be nice if they could move right next door? Right, George, Bertie, I've just had a great idea. Yes, sir? Why don't I try to get Marjorie and Bronco to buy that lot next door? Yes, sir, you sure did have a good idea. <laughs> of course, I'll have to be diplomatic about it. As Bronco says, the kids don't like to be pushed into things. Yeah, I better not even mention the lot next door. Yeah, I'll just start them thinking about building again. You're sly, Gildersleeve. Good morning, Anki. Good morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, sit down, Marjorie. Bronco, my boy. Seems I got down a little early. No, I think we're late, Mr. Gildersleeve. Marge and I were up in our room discussing things. Yeah, that's right. Mrs. Thompson gave you something to think about, didn't she? Anki, if we do move over there, you'll understand, won't you? Well, Marjorie, you have a lot of things to consider, you know. Yes, we do. Of course, it's been fine here for just Bronco and me, but, but we do have the twins to think about. Besides, Mr. Gildersleeve, it doesn't seem fair to crowd you all the time. No, Bronco, don't think about me. Yeah, I can see that you need more room, but uh, what happened to your plan to build a home of your own? Oh, we're still dreaming of that. Yeah, but I don't know if we can swing it. Well, it might be worth looking into. There are quite a few good lots around. You might discover one right under your nose. <laughs> That's possible. A lot of young couples manage to build homes somehow. Yeah, that's the spirit. If you feel you have to move, why move in with Mother Thompson? Yeah, I mean, why make a temporary arrangement? Go out on your own. Build. Look to the future. Oh, do you think we could, Bronco? Well, there's nothing I'd like better than to build my own roof over my wife and children. Oh, isn't he wonderful, Uncle? You bet. You know, the more I think about it, the better I like the idea. Marge, before we make any decision, we ought to explore the possibilities. We might just be able to afford it. Yeah, a boy. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Oh, Bronco, if we could move into our own home, why, it'd be our dream come true. It'd be better than moving in with a nightmare. 
What'd you say, Mr. Gildersleeve? Yeah, yeah I said, uh, you might find you can make the move with money to spare. <laughs> Gee, that was close. <laughs> George, I've built a fire under Bronco. Now I'll have to keep it going. Yeah, I'll work it through Judge Hooker. He can find out who owns the lot next door. You hope he's in. Therefore, the defendant, herein after referred to as the party of the second part... He's in, but he's dictating. ...categorically denies the allegations of the plaintiff. You pardon me, Judge. One moment, Gilday. I'm dictating. Yeah, I know. The party of the second part denies that his cow named Bossy... Jumped the party of the first part's fence and trampled his melon patch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The old goat's defending a cow. <laughs> Judge, I have to talk to you. Very well, Gilder. I was just using my new dictaphone. You? What made you decide to get one of those? I prefer it to a secretary. The dictaphone isn't always getting telephone calls from boyfriends during office hours. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your mind this morning? Uh, Judge, I've just about talked Marjorie and Bronco into building a home. You have? Ah, so the lovebirds are going to have a nest of their own. You bet. And I want you to find out who owns the lot next door to me. Oh? You then have the best real estate salesman you know submitted to Bronco today. I'm quite busy, Gilday. Can't you do that? Judge, you don't understand. Bronco and Marjorie don't like to be pushed into things. That's why they haven't jumped at Mother Thompson's invitation to move in with her. Oh, now I see. Yeah, I'm being subtle, Judge. Will you get on it right away? You may consider it done, old friend. Great. Now let me use your phone. Help yourself. Every young couple with a growing family should have their own little sanctuary against life's storms. Or be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Quiet, Judge, please. I'm calling Mrs. Thompson. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to toss this monkey wrench into her scheme. Hello? Hello, Mother Thompson. This is Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, I knew you were going to call Bronco and Marjorie this morning about moving over. So before you repaper your wing, I thought I should tell you something. Oh? It seems they're going to build a home of their own. They're looking for a lot. Mr. Gildersleeve, was this your idea? Yeah, well, I did tell them. I thought it was a good plan. Busybody. Mother Thompson. You Mother Thompson. You Mother Thompson. She hung up. Hello, Bertie. Evening, Mr. Gillsleeve. You're home early. Yeah, I'm a little anxious to see Marjorie and Bronco. Are they home yet? No, sir. Miss Marjorie phoned this afternoon and said they were talking to a real estate man. Yeah, good. Little plan is working, Bertie. I put the best real estate man in town on their trail. Yes, sir. <laughs> I wonder how Miss Thompson's going to feel when she hears this. She's heard it. Yeah, I made it a point to phone her this morning, so she wouldn't be after Marjorie and Bronco to move over there. Yes, sir. Mr. Gillsleeve, you sure are a smart man. Well, Mrs. Thompson's beginning to realize that, too. Just think, Bertie. They'll be living right next door. Won't that be nice? Yeah, they'll practically be living here. Running in and out, twins crawling back and forth over the fence. With adjoining property, Bertie, we'll still be one big happy family. Yes, sir. Well, Bertie, look who's here. Hello, Unky. We had the most marvelous day. You're glad to hear it, Marjorie. Hello, Bronco. Mr. Gildersleeve, we're about to start on the big adventure. Unky, we're about to buy a lot. Great. Wisest step you've ever taken. Right, Bertie? Yes, sir. Oh, the real estate man was so nice. He made it all seem so easy. He did? Mm-hmm. You'll be surprised when you find out where the lot is. No, no, I won't. Will I, Bertie? No, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, you will. Yeah, no, I won't. I had an idea you'd settle on this lot next door. Next door? Well, a man did call us about that lot, but the price is a little steep. Yeah, I knew you'd settle on... Yeah. What lot are you interested in? It's right across the street from the Thompsons. Zeke. <laughs> I wonder who told Mother we were looking at lots this morning. Yeah, I know. And I've got a good mind to punch him right in the nose. <laughs> Mr. 
The Great Gildersleeve will be back in just a minute. You've probably been enjoying delicious Philadelphia brand cream cheese many ways for a long time. Well, the great Gildersleeve is a man who likes to keep the family circle intact. When it appeared that Marjorie, Bronco, and the twins might leave him for larger quarters at the Thompsons, he quickly sold them on the idea of buying a lot. Of course, the lot he had in mind was next door to him. But the lot they have in mind is across the street from Mrs. Thompson. Yeah, Bronco, I wouldn't buy that lot. In fact, any lot without looking into it thoroughly. Oh, we're not going off the deep end, Mr. Gildersleeve. But now that we've made up our minds, we want to move fast. Uncle, you know we'd like to stay close to you, but we can't afford the lot next door. And we're so excited about getting started. Well, I understand, Marjorie, but we'd hate to lose you. Wouldn't we, Leroy? Yeah, that's awful good lot next door, Marge. It's good dirt. <laughs> we like it, Leroy, but it Piggy just... and I used to dig trenches over there. You ought to take a look. Best dirt I ever saw dug. <laughs> oh, you're sweet, Leroy. We take it in a minute, Leroy, but we can't spend all our money for a lot. We have to build a house, too. Well, actually, you'll save money next door. Piggy and I have practically dug your foundation. Uh... Leroy, they don't want a house that looks like a pretzel. Oh, that reminds me, Marge. I told Mother we'd stop by this morning. She has some ideas about the type house we should build on that lot. Yeah, I'll bet she has. She's just like you, Uncle Mort. She's getting the biggest kick out of all this. Yes, yes. Well, better be going, Marge. We have a busy day ahead. I'm ready. We promised to let the real estate man know by this evening. Uh, goodbye, Uncle Leroy. Uh, see you around. Bye. Bye. Uncle. Yes, my boy. You beginning to feel lonesome? Yeah. Me too. It's a blue day. Unc, I have an idea. Hmm? You know, when Marge was with us... How Leroy, she... she's still with us. Well, anyway, when she was blue, she always went downtown and bought a new hat or something. Yeah, it always seemed to help. But you and I are blue. Why don't we take your $500 out of the bank and go buy the new car? No, Leroy. Sure, Unc, it'd do us good to take a ride. Leroy, I've already been taken for a ride. Hello, Phoebe. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. (laughs) What can I do for you this morning? Uh, Nothing, Phoebe. I just want to sit here at the fountain a minute. My brain is tired. You don't say. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of thinking. Well, the pharmacy carries rubbing alcohol for tired backs and liniment for tired muscles, but we haven't anything for tired brains. Unless you'd care to rub a little liniment on your head. <laughs> no, thanks, Pete. And I'm in no mood for levity. Well, I am. I don't mind saying I feel pretty frisky this morning. Well, bully for you. I got up this morning before the alarm went off. I like to catch it napping once in a while. Yes, yes. I took my setting up exercise. I prepared breakfast for Mrs. Peavy and the parrot and got a cheery thank you in return. Yeah, I guess women appreciate that sort of thing. And the thank you was from the parrot. <laughs> Mrs. Peavy won't talk until after her second cup of coffee. Yeah. Peavy, I think I'll have a cup of coffee. Mm, very well. Maybe it'll help me get an idea. Need an idea, do you? Phoebe, Marjorie and Bronco are about to buy a lot. Hmm? What's wrong with buying a lot? Yeah, nothing wrong with buying a lot. But this one is across the street from Mrs. Thompson. My, my. Yeah, I'm losing them, Phoebe. I've got to figure out some way to stop them. Well, why don't you think of some way to discourage the purchase? You're the water commissioner. Why don't you flood the lot? <laughs> What's this, Phoebe? People are always reluctant to buy a lot that's underwater. Yuffer. Peavy, it's breaking my heart that the kids aren't buying next door to me. Why don't they? Well, they feel the price is a little high. And the real estate man said the owner wouldn't come down a penny. Not too bad. You suppose it'd help any if you talked to the owner? Yeah, I don't think so. Sometimes a personal appeal is very effective. It might be worth a try. 
Maybe so. If you work it right, you might be able to shave off a few hundred dollars for Bronco and Marjorie. Yeah, George, I might at that. Yeah, I'll go see him right away. And if that doesn't work, you can always threaten to cut off his water. Baby! <laughs> man that a lot owner is. You wouldn't budge a penny. Evening, Mr. Gillsleeve. Hello, Bertie. Is Margie and Bronco home yet? No, sir, but we got somebody else in the parlor. You? Who? Mr. and Miss Thompson. Oh, my goodness. What are they doing here? Miss Thompson says she wants to talk to you. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I'll go in. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Thompson. Well, Gildersleeve, we're seeing a lot of each other. Yes, indeed. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're late getting home. We've been waiting. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mrs. Thompson. Didn't know you were here. Gildersleeve doesn't know everything, Martha. I'm aware of that. <laughs> Mr. Gildersleeve, I came by to make a suggestion. Another one? Yeah, I mean, uh, go ahead, Mrs. Thompson. Since Bronco and Marjorie are buying a lot near us, I suggest that they move to our house immediately. But why? The children should be nearby to supervise the construction of their house. They're buying a lot, you know, Gildersleeve. Yes, I know. And with my experience in homemaking, I can be of immense help. They can consult with me on everything. Yeah, well, Mrs. Thompson, let's not move so fast. How do you know they've bought the lot? Mr. Gildersleeve, I talked to the children this morning, and it was their intention to sign the contract today. Well, I... Oh, I know you wanted them to live next door to you, but I haven't been asleep, Mr. Gildersleeve. You just have to take your medicine. Are you sick, Gildersleeve? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, the whole family's here. Hello, Marjorie. Hi, folks. Hello, children. Oh, yes. Hello. We've got great news for you. Marge and I have bought our lot. Oh? I told you so, Mr. Gildersleeve. Children, I was on the lot this afternoon, and I've decided on just the type house you should build. Uh, Mother, we didn't buy the lot across from you. You didn't? No, we decided to buy this lot next door to Mr. Gildersleeve. You did? Ronco, you didn't. Now, Mother Thompson, he said he did. Leroy, we just bought the lot next door. Key, but I thought it was too much dough. Well, it was a funny thing. We can't figure it out. The man called us this afternoon and came down $500 on his price. $500? Well, imagine that. Mr. Gildersleeve? Yes, Mrs. Thompson? Did you have anything to do with this? Who? Me? You wouldn't she like to know. <laughs> Great Gildersleeve will be with us again in just 30 seconds. Have you discovered the two wonderful new kinds of Philadelphia brand cream cheese? Now you can get delicately rich Philadelphia brand filled with tangy bits of fresh chives and Philadelphia brand with bits of red pimento all through it. Enjoy these new versions of Philadelphia cream cheese for a variety of easy, delicious snacks and sandwiches. To get genuine Philadelphia cream cheese... Be sure you see the red Kraft K on the silvery package you buy. Remember, there's only one Philadelphia brand, and it's made by Kraft and guaranteed fresh. Well, Leroy, it's been quite a day. It sure has. Hey, Unc. Yes, my boy? Pretty nice of that lot owner coming down exactly $500. Yeah, fine fellow. You know, I've been thinking about that new car we were going to get. Oh? Our old car isn't in bad shape. How about it'll last another year? Sure. Anyway, we won't have to drive much with Marge and Bronk living next door. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they seem to be out of cigars. How about letting me buy you one, Unc? What? I've still got a quarter. 
Yeah, thank you, my boy. Dude, I'll get Phoebe to charge it. Good night, folks. The Great Gildersleeve is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by John Elliott and Andy White and is partially transcribed. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Mary Lee Robb, Lillian Randolph, Dick Brenner, Jeanette Nolan, Joseph Kearns, Earl Ross, and Dick Legrand. This is John Heaston saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. You know, it takes three things to make a sandwich. The bread, then meat or cheese or egg, whatever you like best in between. And the third thing is, mmm, a touch of real mustard. For when you add a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. That is, if it's Kraft's prepared mustard. There are two kinds, you know. Kraft's salad mustard, mild and delicately spiced, and Kraft's mustard with snappy horseradish added. Have both on hand for different tastes, different uses. Remember, when you add just a little mustard, you add a lot of tang. Get Kraft's prepared mustard. Your humble host. He's next on NBC. friends from November 7th of 1951, The Great Gildersleeve. And, uh, you know, I kind of like this idea that they have to, to build a house right next door to The Great Gildersleeve's house. Makes it real convenient. They can go visit them little babies anytime they like. I hope this plan works out for Marjorie and Bronco. <laughs> uh, you know, it'd be nice. Bronco every day can come home from work to, to little Marjorie <laughs> making dinner, taking care of them little lads, lass. They got one lad and one lass. And he'd come home and he'd say to Marjorie, you'd be so nice to come home to. Just like Julie London says, he, oh, she's hot. Julie London! Take it, Julie. So nice to come home to. You'd be so nice by the fire while the breeze on high sang a lullaby. You'd be all that I could desire under stars chill. Imagine coming home. Quiet that music, Mr. Engineer. Imagine coming home every night 
the Julie London. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you meet you. Looking forward to getting off work, wouldn't it? Now, that's that would be Bronco's point of view. But what would happen if Bronco got carried away with the idea of having a house and having little Marjorie there? What if Bronco got wild and, and started getting real excited and he'd start singing? Uh, he'd get wild and start singing like Elvis Presley. And he'd say to Marjorie, could happen. Here's Elvis Presley, baby. Le Ooh, he's going to. Le I want. This is good. I got hold of it. Uh, hold it there, Elvis. Here's Elvis Presley and baby. Here he is. Elvis, calm down. Elvis, please. That was so good I had to hear it twice. Elvis Presley and baby, I want to play house with you. Yeah, w wouldn't it be something if, if, if Bronco got all excited like Elvis and started... He, he'd come through the door, break into the door like that, the front door, coming home from work, and he'd say, beep, 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 to, to little Marjorie there, and, and them kids, they'd think that her, their daddy went crazy. Hey. Oh, my. Sometimes my imagination gets away with me. <laughs> it carries me away. Well, speaking of being carried away, how would you like to be carried away to Rosemary Clooney's house? Yeah, she's put out the invitation. She wants you to come over, so... I say, why not? Rosemary Clooney, she says, come on to my house. And I say, I'll be right over. Here's Rosemary Clooney. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, my house. I'm gonna give you apple, plum, and I forgot I do. Come on to my house, my house. Come on. Come on to my house. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you peeps and dates and grapes and cakes. Eh? Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you candy. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you everything. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you everything. 
Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you marriage ring and the pomegranate wine. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you peach and pear and I love your hair. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, come on. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you east side. Come on to my house, my house, I'm gonna give you everything, everything, everything. Ooh. Come on to my house. Well, you can count me in as being there. The great Rosemary Clooney, who sang so many nice duets with Bing Crosby. Did a radio show with Bing in the early 1960s, and yeah, she's become one of my favorites. The more I hear her, the more I like her. And I wasn't a big fan of Rosie until I discovered her doing those radio shows with Bing, and then I, yeah, I saw her in a new light. Well, friends, have you seen a commercial? You know, sometimes, rarely, for me anyway, you see a commercial, and it's, it's just so great. You want to see it again, you know? Yeah, it doesn't happen often with me, but every once in a while there's a great commercial that comes on and you want to see it again. Well, I've discovered this past week a great commercial for, and you know it's hard to figure out why uh, they did it the way they did, but they did a great commercial for Geico. But it really seems like a commercial for an allergy medicine because... (laughs) It shows this girl wandering around in a white dress in a field of flowers and, and weeds. And being, she's just uh, surrounded by flowers and pollen. She's wandering around and she's she's complaining. She says she used to be able to smell the flowers. She used to be able to, to smell the hot dogs in the, in the baseball stand. She used to be able to smell all these wonderful things. But now, thanks to pollen... Oh, her nose is all stuffed up. She can't stand it. She she curses the pollen. Geico makes car insurance easy. As easy as getting stuffed up during allergy season. Before all the pollen, I used to stop and smell everything. The smell of fresh cut grass. My coffee in the morning. The hot dog smell from the hot dog guy. You did this to me. With an app that puts your policy in your pocket, it's easy to Geico. Curse you, ragweed pollen! <laughs> now, as great as that commercial is, and it really is great, uh, I have no idea why Geico is putting it out. I mean, they sh- uh, I could see a pollen uh, allergy uh, medicine putting that out, but not Geico. Well, anyway, they did, but it is a fantastic commercial, and I hope you get to see it sometime. In fact, I even found it on the uh, YouTube, yeah. I looked up Geico commercial with allergy girl or allergy girl and Geico commercial. Eh. Anyway, the point of this is behind this girl walking through this beautiful, surrounded by flowers and weeds and all like that, behind her is this music playing. And I said, oh, that's that great Mario Lanza song. At least that's where I first heard it, Mario Lanza. And it's a great classical opera song but they don't you know play the vocal part just instrumental part anyway they're playing the music called una fertiva lagrima that's the name of the song and mario lanza he does a perfect version of it let's listen to mario lanza singing the song that you hear in that allergy geico commercial oh it's great you're in for a treat friends a real treat Why? 
tell you wasn't that a treat yeah mario lanza una fertiva lagrima now that song was played the instrumental version of it was played behind that geico commercial with that girl walking around oh she was so in pain oh so so suffering so much and that (laughs) that neat music was playing behind her as she was talking and i thought it went perfect and i you know, I became a, a big fan of Mario Lanza probably back in the 1970s. Yeah, and uh, man, he was something else. Mario Lanza, my favorite opera singer. And uh, my next favorite opera singer would be Pavarotti. But, uh, oh yeah, I bought a lot of Mario Lanza records back then. And, and then, of course, later on I would buy the Mario Lanza CDs. And I'm so glad to be able to play that for you because we don't often play Mario Lanza as much as I would like to because I think he's fantastic. You ever see the movie Heavenly Creatures? Oh, that's a good one. It features a lot of great music by Mario Lanza and even features a clay figure that looks like Mario Lanza singing the songs. Well, I guess I've gone off on a tangent here hearing that great Mario Lanza song. We hope you enjoyed the great Gildersleeve, though, from November 7th of 1951. As Marjorie and Bronco, well, they, they finally decided what to do. They're going to build a house right next door to Gildy. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. And this is a, yeah, this is something that's going to be going on for the next several weeks as they build that house. Well, friends, I am your humble host saying so long for now. Hope you enjoyed the show and... Goodbye, everybody, and thank you for listening.